All right. Okay. How you doing, Mason? Good. How are you? So we're live. Yeah. Sweet. I think we're live. Yeah. Man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have you ever been interviewed before? Never once in my life have I been interviewed, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah. But... Me too. I'm getting dry lips already. Yeah. You know, when you get that little little crusty bit <laughs> on the side. So, um, yeah, I always wanted to start a podcast for like the longest time. Mm-hmm. But I think I was always like held back by, you know, just the thought of no one ever watching it. Did no, you, I feel you. Did you ever feel that way when you were doing music? I still feel that way. Like, I have a whole YouTube channel and I put out tutorials and stuff like that, trying to help out the community and everything. Mm. But, I mean, it still feels that way. Like, I'm not reaching a whole lot of people, but in my mind, I'm like doing it because I enjoy it more than I want to reach a million people, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, if you still enjoy <laughs> it, you know, that's all that really matters. Yeah. You exactly. know, is that you're having fun with it. Mm hmm. But um, what made you, like, start doing music? I can't really say there was, like, anything that made me start, mm. per se. It was just kind of always there. I went to an arts magnet, like, elementary school, and my parents did acting and music, and they were all super active in the community with that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's just always been in my life. I never really think there was, like, a catalyst of me starting to do music. It's just mm. always been there in my life. Mm. And when you grow up with it too, like when you have parents that are creative like that, it almost gives you a head start, you know, because yeah. like my parents are never like, they're not musical. They're not really like artistic at all, No, but I do enjoy like drawing and some stuff, yeah. but like, they're always like, what are you doing? You can't like, you're not that good at that stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, but it is what it is, you know? Exactly. And I mean, it's nice to have that supportive environment also because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not exactly the most extroverted person in the world, but having my parents and my brother really kind of push me into that really helped me kind of get the ball rolling and start relying, or not relying, but getting into more creative avenues because I draw too, I do art and I do music and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I feel that. I feel that. Um, so what albums have you been listening to lately? Like what's something that's on your radar? Uh few different things i i always like to listen to lots of different hip-hop because that's what i work with a lot of hip-hop artists here mm-hmm. so i always try and keep relatively caught up in what's going on in hip-hop yeah. but i like to listen to older albums as well i still have my favorite hip-hop albums you know like to pimp a butterfly is one of my favorite albums mm. kendrick lamar mm. i think it's one of the best albums ever created <laughs> so Man. that's something i like to listen to constantly to get creative uh, input, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think like when Kendrick made that album, he like took his time with it. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like three years between Good Kid and then To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. But then like the production on To Pimp a Butterfly was like almost next level. But it was so hard to like listen to it straight through because I feel like there's so much to almost listen to and digest that it took me like maybe a year to really like appreciate yeah. that. You to know, like analyze it completely. Yeah. yeah, I totally understand that. So I can see like the inspiration behind that for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think that when you look into people like Kendrick, it's hard because every single aspect of what they do is based around their themes. And, you know, for I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to think of, uh, like even in his melodies and in, especially in his lyrics, of course, but they all kind of represent that overall theme that he goes for and i mean that's not just with the pimp a butterfly that's with 
all of his albums. I feel mm. like we're talking about Kendrick Lamar now. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's not a bad thing. I love his music. Yeah, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had a couple questions I definitely wanted to ask you because this yeah. is really related to OneNote and everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, and you're studio manager, right? Yeah. I yeah. run the whole studio section. And so what does that feel like? Is that much... Do you feel like you have much responsibility when you're doing it or... Mm, kind of. It's more that I'm excited that I get to work with such a variety <clears throat> of people. Like I'm now working with R&B artists and now I'm working with hip hop artists. Uh, not a whole lot of BDM. We don't have a huge scene. I mean, we kind of have a scene here, but yeah. not giant. It's more hip hop <laughs> here. But kind of, kind of getting to see that whole side of music here is actually really cool. Yeah. And... I, again, I've never thought of it as like work. I really just come in, make music, and then get paid for it, which is kind of the nice thing about it. <laughs> That's like it the feels dream. More casual. Yeah. That's the dream where like you're going to work, but it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like, and I'm really grateful for it because yeah, it feels amazing. Well, I'm happy for you, man. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what did I want to ask you? Um, Man, I wanted to ask you something, but you just like had a really good <laughs> no, something that sat with me, and I was like, "That's amazing." <laughs> yeah, you're good. No worries. Um, man, what was that show? That show with Ryan Tedder and uh, Macklemore. It was the one where they'd bring people in and they would sing a song, and they'd be like, "Oh, I want this on my oh, songland, songland, songland." Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that is. Well, I was just like Teresa kind of changed my mind on it about. Because I was kind of like really skeptical. Do you want to explain? Because I have no so, idea. So it's this new show. There's been one episode. The second one's tonight. But basically the first one was the Jonas Brothers. And they bought, brought in songwriters. And those songwriters would sing the artists their songs. So it's the artists and then their producers. <clears> and they would sing the song. And then they would all kind of collaborate to like make it into a song. And the Jonas Brothers chose, chose a song called Green Greenlight. And it was by Abel Hart, and he basically went from, I, I checked, he went from 3,000 followers overnight to 10,000 followers, and his song hit number one the Whoa. next day. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like a collaboration, and you can tell how you felt about it. I was like, oh, I just see this as like kind of a money scam. Like, I think it's kind of yeah. nice. It's a good thing for artists. You know, it's like, there's a lot of positivity about it. Mm-hmm. But what I was thinking about the whole time was like, if these artists get signed, like, will they get, you know... Um, I want to use a curse word. They'll get uh, <laughs> screwed over. They'll get screwed over. Yeah. And I was wanting to ask you, if you ever like <clears throat> got signed, what would you, would you rather stay independent or, you know, I hear a lot about like Chance the Rapper because Chance the Rapper kind of likes to have his publishing yeah. and his masters. Mm-hmm. And I don't know like what you would feel about that or. I think it's pretty different for electronic music. A lot of, labels are pretty lenient on creative freedom and stuff mm-hmm. uh i've never been offered any well okay i've had like offers but again they've all been real loose like hey you can still make whatever you want we just take like 30 percent of the commission or whatever yeah you know so i mean i think i don't think leg- labels get a bad rep for something like hip-hop or for pop because they definitely screw people over But at least in my realm, lots of people are still independent and they switch labels all the time. You know, there's not really this contractual obligation to Mm. make the music that they want you to make, which is kind of cool about what I do, because even if I did get signed, I have that total creative freedom. Yeah. And I don't think 
that's going anywhere because that's kind of what EDM thrives off of is completely changing all the genres involved with it, you know, experimenting with stuff. Yeah. And no one really wants to take that away because in my mind, uh, EDM inspires a lot of what turns into pop music. So for example, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just thinking the same thing. Cause like you hear that so much on pop radio, you hear like yeah. really like maybe three courses or no, sorry, three verses. And then you have like the course that's like very EDM influenced. It's very yeah. just like, you know, you hear it all the time, all mm. the time. And I mean, pop music has tons of different influences, but I mean, with lots of different artists, there come like waves. So for example, the Chainsmokers originally started out as an EDM group I listened to forever ago, mm. but then they got popular and kind of rode the future bass subgenre wave that kind of happened. Yeah. A lot of different artists came out of that, but then even still today, there's a lot of that specific sound, you know? Yeah. chain smoker sound i guess yeah. <laughs> is how people kind of perceive it in pop music right now yeah do you ever feel that way with like certain artists you were into that were like underground and then like you're really into them you have like almost an emotional mm. connection to them because they're not as well known but then yeah. once more people get interested in them you be kind of you kind of like step back a bit does that ever happen to you where you become uh, a bit less interested like, no i never think it's like a bad thing yeah you know like that's awesome they're like this band i listen to that no one else does they're getting popular and making money and they can continue to make music. Yeah. I think it influences their sound more, but I think the bass still stays there, their bass sound and who they are. Yeah. So like, I'm always fine with it. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of was like, if they like got popular or got, you know, more fans that their sound would change from yeah. what kind of made me interested in them in the first place. You know? No, I feel you. So, you know, it's cool. Like coming from a different country to Omaha mm -hmm. and, Oh, yeah, you're from Ireland, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> you don't hear it that much. But no, like, not at all. But it's kind of cool just to see the, you know, everything that's going on with Devin and, you know, how he's starting this big thing with everybody. Yeah, he's smiling over there. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's talking about me on the camera. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really cool just to see. Because it's like a growing city now. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's a lot going on. And in the next 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, it'll be something hopefully pretty special and yeah, I think that's what Devin's trying to do. It's just kind of bring everyone together, at least with one note. And that's yeah. what I really like about it. And that's what kind of drew me in, was the fact that he was taking people that weren't just from a specific part of Nebraska. He's like, or Omaha, I guess. He's bringing everyone together from all mm -hmm. genres. I mean, that's what he's doing with the festival that we're doing in August, August, August 10th, Culture Con. I'll drop you some promotion. <laughs> Plug it now. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's what he's kind of trying to do is just bring all the different cultures because I feel Omaha's a very, you know, ethnically diverse hmm. and culturally diverse city. Yeah. And for what it is, we are kind of separated and I'm glad he's trying to bridge that gap with something that everyone loves. You know, yeah. Music. Yeah. So it's cool. Yeah. And that's what drew me to it originally. Yeah, I definitely, you know, you'd have a much more knowledgeable uh base of like that's you know that segregation almost between certain cultures that i i kind of know a little bit about but not yeah. as much as you guys probably do so that's you know it's a good idea mm -hmm. to do that stuff so are you excited for Candyland? i heard you i only asked teresa on the way here if you yeah. were performing at that as well yeah and are you excited for culture con too yeah because we're flying out one of my buddies that i've worked with online for like two years i think 
His name's Charizard. But <laughs> we, what a name. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But we're flying him out, and he's headlining. I go right before him. And something that's really cool about it that I actually really like is I've never actually met Charizard. We've only talked online, mm. and this is kind of a statement for the whole internet, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, it's a very cool thing that I can just reach out to. Well, he reached out to me. We can collaborate online and we can make songs together and i've never even met him in real life and we've been talking about it how crazy it's going to be to like actually meet each other for the first time i, I feel like it's talking about like long distance relationships <laughs> but like dude are you afraid you're gonna get music catfished <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know <laughs> because i don't know it's cool though because i follow him on instagram so yeah i know what he looks like and what he does i feel like i'm stalking him now but <laughs> yeah. like it's just crazy because... You're like, who else are you producing with? Yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy that I'm about to meet a collaborator that I've known for so long, but never actually, you know, met. And that's kind of a statement to the internet and how amazing it really is. That yeah. I can talk to a dude who's an eight-hour flight away, you know, in New York or however however long it takes. I don't know how long it takes to get to New York, but... Yeah. It's going to be pretty surreal when you meet him. Yeah, I think. like and when he's actually there, you yeah. never think everything. Can you fix this mic? It's kind of all right. So we're recording now. Cool. All right. So we're where, where were we? Firmly grasp it. Yeah, firmly grasp it. <laughs> we're told by Devin off screen that I was holding the microphone weird. So yeah, you got to grip it. <laughs> you got to grip it like you I'm love like it. I'm like self conscious <laughs> about it. I've been drinking too much water and now I'm not holding the microphone right. It's getting to your head, man. It is all that hydration. All that. <laughs> My lips are less chapped now. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about Candyland. Candyland. Yeah, oh, yeah, and you were going to meet that guy. What was his name? Charizard? Yeah. I don't want to butcher that, so. No, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just think Pokemon. Yeah, man. Have you ever performed, like, in front of a crowd of people before, or? Actually, just a few months ago, I was invited to play the Adventure Club after party. Hmm. And I didn't think anything of it because, you know, it's an after show or it's an after party so i didn't think a whole lot of people would show up and i was headlining it yeah but about the time you headlined it yeah which was really cool yeah (laughs) but around the like the second performer around the time he started playing people started flooding in and i was like oh (laughs) i got real nervous yeah and then people just kept coming in there i think there were like i mean it doesn't feel that big but like 400 people yeah. And then you're looking on a stage at 400 people. Yeah. Like, it's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, I was man. super nervous. I actually like went out to my car and like took a minute because I was like, oh man, I've never actually played a show this big. Shit, man. I get nervous when I talk to a group of five people. I can't imagine <laughs> like, you know, playing in front of like 400, you yeah. know, a couple hundred people, you know. And it was also good because throughout my entire life, I've done performance stuff. So I was kind of used to it, you know, like. Not to say that doing plays in middle school or whatever, doing musicals, because I was one of those kind of kids, Yeah, is at all the same. But the stage presence and the fact that people are just looking at you, mm-hmm. it kind of helped me deal with that. And also realizing that people are there <clears throat> to just enjoy themselves and have a good time. They're not here to like critique you. Yeah. So as soon as I started playing the first song, you know, I got into it and started having more fun with it. Yeah. Because ultimately, I felt that, I feel like that's what you need to do when you're playing a show. You shouldn't, I mean, I'm a nervous wreck when I go on stage, but as soon as I start playing the first song, 
and the crowd is interacting with it, then I start to feel so much better because it's like, oh, yeah, you're just there to listen to music. You're not there to be like, yeah. who is this guy and contribute my whole entire lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Because so it was actually really cool. That's the the worry. You know, I'd never done something like that, but I can, like, emphasize with you when yeah. something like that could happen. Especially, like, plays. I've done one play, <laughs> and, like, I remember all the parents and all the kids yep. and all the families and being like, if I mess up, they're going to like have all these judgments about me <laughs> yep. and I'm going to like just go home and not sleep, you know, because that's all you're thinking about. Well, I think plays are different because mm-hmm. that's like your school. That's mm-hmm. people, you know, exactly. <laughs> and then you have to go to school like the next day. Oh man. And I was like, <laughs> that's what I was nervous. You about. messed up that line and it just like never like, you know, leaves yeah. you. It just always sticks with you and people like kind of remember you for that. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> In the play. And then they're, yeah, no, that's a whole different thing. I think that's worse. Middle school plays were so much worse than kids are harsh man kids are kids are super harsh yeah kids can be cruel yeah i remember when i was in eighth grade i was trying out for a musical and i had like a specific song and we were all in like a little waiting room and we were talking about what songs we were gonna sing and someone stole the song i was gonna sing and did it before me in my audition i was like heartbroken i was like how could you do that that was mine ultimate betrayal (laughs) it was little like eighth grade me was so traumatized i didn't even try out after that i went audition i don't know if trying out is like offensive to the play people but i just straight (laughs) i just straight up left after that i was like how could you do that that was my song like it really even mattered (laughs) but man i okay so two years ago um Mm-hmm. I did karaoke for, like, I think the first time. Yeah. And it was with uh, Teresa's family. And I had this song set out, and I knew all the words to it. And I was ready. I was drinking. I had to drink so I can kind of get a bit looser. Yeah. And then the... Just the, like me in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to drink to get looser. <laughs> and the girl before me, she uh, she sang, the you know, that Journey song, uh, Don't Stop Believing." Yeah. That was your song? And my heart sunk. <laughs> it sunk. And, like... I had to drink more because I knew what I, I had to pick then. Uh, you know that Marvin Gaye song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough? I yeah. didn't even know. I knew half the words to that song. And I knew I had to get like kind of sloshed, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> for, for that to even like half work. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, man, I understand that. And I didn't even know her. So it wasn't, I didn't feel betrayed. That's even worse though. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. She stole your song, didn't even know you. <laughs> no. <laughs> she looked at me with these menacing eyes. And, like I knew, I knew. But yeah, it's always kind of cool to see Devin. Or Tay, like, play these shows, and they look like they're having a good time. Yeah. Because uh, I do, like, I'll look up at them, and they just look like they're having, like, a good time, you know, and just ha- making people feel good, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm sure you'll feel that at Candyland and yeah, Culture I hope Con. So. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm performing a little less at Culture Con. I think that's more for kind of live artists, which is what I'm really excited for, hmm. where, because we don't have a lot of that either. I mean, we have hip-hop artists, but we're doing lots of different things. We're bringing, like, live instruments in and bringing bands in to kind of just give a better live experience because that's what I grew up on. I listened to a lot of rock music, so those were the kind of concerts I used to go to. Yeah. And that's what I was used to seeing was people performing with live instruments and stuff. And I think DJs also kind of get a bad rep in that sense that people don't think they're, like, performing Mm. at all. And I kind of get it from that perspective because that's where I came from. It's like, oh, all they're doing is pressing a bunch of different buttons. But it's less about performing with, like, an instrument, whereas, or and it's more about um, choosing 
what sounds you're trying to and what kind of vibe you're trying to give off Mm -hmm. during a live performance. So, for example, not every crowd's the same. Not every crowd likes, you know, house music or top 40s or all this different stuff. So you kind of have to read the crowd because not everyone's there to hear your specific music. Yeah. So you have to know the venue. You have to know the people that are showing up and what they're expecting. Or if you don't know, you have to read the entire room and it's kind of stressful in that sense. Yeah. You have to gauge the crowd and just see what they're feeling. Yeah. So there's like a whole different aspect to DJing as opposed to live, uh, live band playing, I guess. Yeah. And not to say that like we're on the level of skill as like a professional guitarist, but Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a different avenue. It's a different way of performing. Yeah. I don't like to compare and say like, Oh, this genre person is better than this person because i think that's unfair i think it's you know it's apples and oranges you can't really well you can compare them but is it necessarily right to compare them i don't think so yeah no that's fair i've heard that argument before about you know Mm -hmm. musicians or musicians who are playing like live instruments and things like that versus you know djs or even hip-hop artists yeah you know what i mean it's just like it's not all about that you know at the end of the day it's like about so much more about the experience about the experience yeah it is you see lots of djs and how they have crazy big setups or hip-hop artists and how they focus more on the crowd and the interaction with the audience yeah that's what it's just more about less than you know playing a sick guitar solo or something you know yeah like there's just different ways of how people perform (laughs) and what they're doing not to, again, say that one's better than the other or one takes more skill than the other because it's completely different stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, and again, I I played guitar forever, so I totally understand how difficult it is to play guitar. Yeah. So. Is there like a difficulty when you have to play the guitar in front of like people and try and remember chords and everything like that opposed to when you're playing yeah. on your own? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's that same kind of nervous problem. Are we, are we running okay. low? Nope. We're still Okay. Okay. Just cut for a second now since we're well, um, Should we cut? I wanted to. I, I wanted well, I to. Just gonna talk at the end. Like I was gonna cut it and have them promote. We're just gonna have you guys promote social media and promote yourself at the end. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. But, should we just keep going then? Yeah. Just keep going. You're good. Cool. Okay. There's so much more I want to talk about, but I know it's only 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I was about to say I'm having fun. If we go to 40, like it doesn't matter. So if you guys are in a good vibe, keep going. But okay. if in six or seven minutes you feel like stopping, then stop. Well, no. when that six or seven minutes comes, just like kind of give us a heads up, so we'll maybe go I'll a little bit over. Like this, and then whenever yeah. you guys kind of come down, promote your social media, thank him, and okay, I'll probably have to spell out my name. I'd say because my name is pretty. Awkward. I can always put it on the screen too. Oh, sweet technology, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. the power. Yeah, man. Okay, are we still recording? Yep. Oh. And then um, we'll also just plug onenoent.com. Okay. Wait, one note and what? One note, ENT.com. One note, ENT.com. Sweet. I just want you to make sure you share your media. Okay, yeah. yeah. We want to make you sure. are, because you're, ta- you're good at, like, you guys are having a good discussion about what you, people know who you are. Yeah. Like, how, how yeah. Listen you. Go listen to your music and everything. So. Watch your YouTube. Yeah, watch my videos. <laughs> Give me money. <laughs> <laughs> Give me That's what we're really <laughs> here for. <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, who was the last person that you saw perform? Like at a live show. Oh. 
Other than like a local person, because I come out to Devon's show like every week. That's, okay, yeah, like a um, a big artist, you know. Big artist. I can't even remember. I haven't been anywhere recently. In all honesty. Yeah. My mom went to Sean Mendez. I wish I would have went to that. Like Sean <laughs> Mendez. I would go. You know, I've never really listened to his music just on the radio, but I'd probably see his show. I'd yeah. probably go to a show that he'd do. Yeah, exactly. I know I'm going to, I think it's 515 with a few friends. We're going to, I think it's a big EDM festival here mm. in Des Moines. So really, right next to Iowa. Yeah, I tried to get into it, but the submissions or whatever for opening people or local artists was closed. Mm. But there's lots of cool people playing that, lots of big inspirations that i'm excited for i know elenium i think is playing Ooh, i've heard of that guy i don't think i've i think i have heard of him maybe you showed it to me yeah <laughs> okay that head nod is pretty yeah, indicative she's nodding yeah she's yeah. she's excited it's like yes i showed you but i like elenium i like that was something that i started listening to that was kind of my starting point for EDM mm-hmm. back forever ago. I mean, not specifically Elenium. It was Seven Lions. I remember very specifically. Uh, in middle school, we had a, or I had a friend that was listening to Dead Mouse. Oh, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's how I kind of got introduced into electronic music. Hmm. And at first, I was like, "This is so stupid," and I had that same kind of opinion, like these guys aren't making real music. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, ah, "This is really cool," because it was at the same time he signed Skrillex for his second mm-hmm. album, and then I just kept listening and following different artists, and I thought it was cool, but I understood why people thought it was kind of wonky and weird. You know, the whole dubstep of like it's yeah. just like pots and pans hitting each other like weird. It's like really abrasive. It was kind of like unusual. Yeah, and I like it. And yeah. that was kind of interesting to listen to, trying to figure out like how these weird, like growly, disgusting, gritty noises make a good song. But then Skrillex started a label and I think one of the first people to put out was Seven Lions. And he made this amazing melodic dubstep. So it was like these big chords that kind of just hit you in the face. And it was so cool. And I remember like, this is what I want to do. And that was the moment where you were like, okay, this is yeah, like, that was like my big inspiration moment of like, this is the kind of music I would like to make because it was so pleasing to the ear, but mm-hmm. it had that same kind of intense intensity as dubstep. Yeah. And then as it's further gone on, you know, we have people like Elenium who are still making amazing, amazing music. And off of that spawned Future Bass, which is where we get people like the Chainsmokers. And I know one of my bigger inspirations is a guy called Crane. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of different genres, but I really love his Future Bass. His real uh, vibey kind of cool chords, and they're really thick and big. I don't know. So that was just kind of my inspiration for that, and that's where I'm trying to go right now. I really like just nice chord progressions turning into these big, gigantic drops that just melt your face (laughs) with the bass and how thick the chords are. It's very hard to describe. No, I I understand. Um, There was this artist that I listened to a while ago. He did a soundtrack for a movie I really liked. It was Mm -hmm. called Good Time, I think, with Robert Pattinson. Yeah, that's such a good movie. The guy who did the soundtrack for that, uh, I think he's this Russian guy. Mm -hmm. It's like the first half of his name, I think, is one something, like one Thrix something. Yeah. But it was kind of like that, where I listened to his discography, and they would have like 
these crazy, something I'd never heard of before. And it was like almost, I was taken aback because it's not what my ears were used to hearing. Yeah. But then like the more that you listen to it, the more you force yourself into it, it's like you appreciate the sound more. Mm -hmm. There was like halfway through the song where it turned into like this screaming, like melting sound of like just terrible noise. (laughs) It's so weird to describe these sounds, right? It was beautiful like halfway through. Yeah. And then it was like, like crazy. I'll have to play it for you, but it was like crazy. But I just, I really got into it then. Like not as much, but Mm -hmm. that's an artist I go back to if I'm like working out or something like that. Because when you're like running, you have that gentle (laughs) part of it. And then when it hits and it's just like. It's really nice. It's aggressive. Yeah, it is aggressive. I feel like I'm terrible at describing what the music sounds like. Yeah, you know? it's so hard. I, I'm like trying to think of it in not technical terms. Yeah. And be like, oh, like it's a bunch of supersaws combined with like a thick 808. <laughs> but I mean, not to say that like people won't understand it, but I'm trying to just think of words to, or adjectives basically to yeah. describe the sound itself. Because it's like the less melodic it is, the harder it is to describe. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Without just making weird noises with your mouth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like what I just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think there's something to appreciate a lot about all those kind of genres. Like, I try not to stick specifically to one. I've gone out and I've experimented with different stuff. But now that I'm starting to kind of focus in more on what I'm making... I'm trying to find, again, what really inspired me to start electronic music. Because I had that opinion of, like, oh, it's not really music, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I started making it when I was, like, 15. And I was like, oh, this is way more complex than I thought it was. And then I just kept listening to it more and more. And I remember another pivotal kind of thing for it was when Korn and Skrillex made an album. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you can do that? (laughs) You can mix genres? I was like like 16. Yeah, because you always hear about, like, hip-hop artists doing, like, a mixtape or, like, an album. Lil Nas X. Lil Nas X. X. (laughs) But when you get that crossover, like, it's almost like DC meets Marvel. Yeah, That'll never happen, but it's almost, like, comparable with those, like, you know, and it kind of bleeds together yeah. as well, which is, I've, I've never heard that. And I think I'd like to hear it now yeah, because it's like, cool. I just want to hear like how, how it sounds because it can't be like easy, you yeah. know? And me and, me and Devin have talked about Grizz, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He Beautiful. loves Grizz mm. with the saxophone. It's almost like a jazz mix with an EDM. Like, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Mm. I, I like that whole fusion of different things, you yeah. know? I mean how else are you going to push the genre forward? How else are you going to advance music other than combining different things? That's why you have things like Old Town Road. Like, yeah. I know it's kind of like a joke. That, well, I wouldn't say it's a joke, but people like make it a meme or whatever. But it did do something different. It did. Know? When you look at it in that respect, it really Yeah, really did. it was something different, and it kind of moved forward, and people are like, oh, now I can make hip-hop and country music combined. Like, things that you wouldn't think would work together. Well, people probably together. have that fear, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it's like oh, should I do this? Because people might not like it. Or it might not do well. Yeah. You know, because it might be strange. But when they, like when Old Town Road came out, it was like such an easy kind of going song and it was really catchy. Yeah. You know, and I was like, shit, you can do this? I think starting out, if you're going to do something like that, either you need to go all the way completely to like Bonkers Town of just like <laughs> making crazy nonsense or just start with something simple like that because all that song really is is like, a nice guitar pattern yeah, and like a hip hop beat under it. 
and you know that's the starting point you need to you need to start somewhere yeah and that's what he did yeah i have enough of a respect for that <laughs> it was kind of like post malone when he did white iverson because yeah. he like just made the song and it's a really simple song mm-hmm. and then he went to bed one night and then the next day yeah. he had like a million text messages you know like like that yeah you know which is pretty surreal I think it's crazy that people can just blow up like that out of nowhere. And then you, but then you also see other people that have been doing it for years and mm-hmm. try and try and try. And then like something like that happens and you're like, whoa, can't believe my luck. Yeah. There we go. But it wasn't luck because I don't like to call it luck because I'm sure like there's a lot of effort and learning that goes into it, you know? So I don't want to dismiss it almost as luck. Yeah. You know? And uh, I don't know. I, I think people get really discouraged and I especially get really discouraged when I put something out that you're like really, really passionate about, you know, artists that have been working on stuff for years, but it doesn't go really anywhere. You know, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it advances you. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you did something and that you put a song together and put it out there, I mean, that's moving you forward. And like, again, I've been making music for coming on seven years now mm. and I wouldn't say I'm at where I want to be at. On, uh, on like a level of reach to how many people yeah. I want to reach, you know, with my music. But there's nothing wrong with that. I've kind of come to terms with the fact that like, hey, you know, it's a it's a process. You know, not everyone's the one hit wonder that just blows up. You got to kind of work it, work at things. And the only way you're gonna make it work is if you don't give up. Because there are days, and I think any creative person can kind of testify to this, that you just want to stop. You know, you don't want to make music anymore. You don't want to draw anymore. And it gets hard because you're like, I don't, I'm not where I want to be. And again, I've been doing this for seven years. And like just last year is when I started playing live shows and doing stuff like that. Yeah. But once that started happening, it was like, now I, now that I've done that, I can do so much more. Mm. And you kind of got to keep into that mindset of like, yeah, it's a process, but look at where you started to where you are now. Yeah. Yeah, it may take a little while longer, but you're getting there. I think that's how we are too as humans is that I think we're always looking. It's almost like that you want to reach a certain level of comfort. Yeah. And it's always unattainable. It's like you always want to reach a certain amount of wealth. You always want to, you know, if you're running, you want to be able to run more miles or get bigger. or. Yep. And it's like you really have to be self-aware in a way where you step back and you're like, okay, I've actually done really well for myself where mm-hmm. I've started. And I think once you can almost accept that and look at your progression, it becomes like easier. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I can, this is good. Like I'm doing well, you know, and I'm still enjoying it and mm-hmm. I want to keep doing it and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. All right. It's yeah. But I think people should definitely keep pursuing whatever it is they're passionate about because yeah, you're not going to see the results immediately. Yeah. And I've known so many creative people that have done that, but you just need to stick with it. And I mean, even if you don't get to be the multi-millionaire, multi-platinum artist or whatever, or be in the Louvre for your paintings, <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, you're still doing it, and I think you got to go back to square one and remember that that's what you're passionate about, and that's what got you started in this first place. It wasn't the money. It wasn't anything like that. Yeah. It was that you love doing what you do, mm-hmm. and we got the signal that... <laughs> we got to wrap it up. Yeah, we got to wrap it I up. I had another point, but we're good. No, you're fine. All right, so... All right, Mason. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So where can we find you? Um, it's Echoes Down, spelled, because it's always spelled weird and people always get it wrong, <laughs> but 
E-C-H-O-3-Z-D-O-W-N. That's just where I am. You can listen to it on SoundCloud. I'm on YouTube. I have all my music there as well. Twitter, Instagram, all that. On YouTube, everything like that. Yep. Cool. All right. Cool. And you can find the website at onenoteent.com. Yeah. Yeah. And you can find me as well, Rory Devereaux at Instagram or something. I'm never <laughs> on Instagram, so yeah. just look up. Just, I don't know. I'll put your handle on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Our co-host will. <laughs> put the handle on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Cool. Cool.